Welcome to the Visionaries Podcast, sponsored by Alchemy. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. This exciting podcast series shines a light on the financial institutions that are at the cutting edge of digital transformation, providing you with the tips and tricks to elevate your digital game. Our guests are competing with the biggest financial players in the financial services industry by embracing their digital vision at speed and at scale. While many financial institutions are challenged to deliver digital banking solutions, Quorum Federal Credit Union out of Purchase, New York, serves more than 70,000 members in all 50 states with online and mobile banking options. Founded in 1934 as the exclusive credit union for Kraft Food employees, Quorum now serves over 50 companies nationwide with competitive rates on deposits and loans and a culture that encourages innovation and a commitment to the highest level of member experiences. In fact, Quorum was just named the best credit union in 1923 by Bankrate. My guest on the Fissionaries podcast is Jeffrey Pastor, President and CEO of Quorum Federal Credit Union. He shares how innovation at Quorum never stops and why status quo is not acceptable. So I've been fortunate enough to work with the leadership team at Quorum Federal Credit Union in the past. I was impressed by the commitment to their members and the focus on being ahead of the industry during a time of massive change. So, Jeffrey, despite being at Quorum Federal Credit Union for more than eight years and being at the helm for a little bit more than a year, you're certainly not a legacy banker. Can you share with our audience a little bit about your journey and how you ended up in Quorum? Sure. I guess it dates all the way back when I was a kid. My father owned an automotive parts store, actually a few. And I remember working, you know, in his office at night. A knock would come on the door at some random hour, like eight, nine o'clock at night. And my father would go behind the counter, open up the door, pull inventory, and the person would leave. I remember saying to my father, like, the store hours closed at five o'clock. Like, uh, why are you serving the customer? And I think that's where I kind of got this owner mentality aspect that, that I have today. From there, I went to uh, a college. I first job out of school was uh, Ernst & Young uh, and Duracell. I was an accountant. I was an auditor, a lot of different companies, uh, international experience. That's where I learned the love for business and no two things are the same and everybody looks at things differently and all businesses are different. The journey took me to Gartner Group, uh, information technology, tech meaning everything and make sure you analyze things appropriately thinking about the future. They actually ingrained that in my in my head. Reader's Digest and Time Warner came next. That's where I actually got to hone my general management skills. Uh, it was all about the customer uh, and all about the people serving the customer. And then a few people I knew uh, along the way kind of knew of Quorum, knew of myself. They were looking for a COO uh, and a CFO at the time. I happened to have played in both COO and CFO roles. 20 some interviews later, never thought I was going to be at a credit union. I loved the management team. I loved the board. I really liked the people who report to me as well as the future prospects. And nine years later, I sit with you. Wow. You know, when you joined Quorum or maybe more importantly, when you became the CEO, what did the organization already have right? And what did you see during your time moving up the ladder that you wanted to improve? That was in the back of your mind going, man, if I can get the chance, I'd really like to change this. 
Quorum had a great entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, the board and the CEO were forward thinking. They were uh, interested and understood the value of digital and the necessity to, to get there. It was very good talent within the organization, a really good culture in the organization. I still to this day speak to almost every employee on a, on a regular basis. It was part, it continues to be part of our culture. I think from a, what we needed to improve and what we built upon is we had some legacy vendors. You know, when you're a brick and mortar and you're moving to digital, you need to make some changes and need to kind of kick it up a notch. Uh, we saw that as a need and, and spent a lot of time doing so from a vendor perspective. Cost of funds is uh, a challenge within our business model. Uh, a lot of banks uh, rely on checking and uh, foot traffic to bring in low cost of funds. That's not really what our, our, our model is. Uh, but we do give great return to our members. That's the other side of it. We're really, really proud of that. From other things that uh, I believe we worked on, needed to improve and, and, and still could always improve on would be the pace and quality towards achieving where we're going towards, always keeping a mind on that. And then the win in the talent game. So although we had great talent, talent changes over time, requirements change over time. And it was really how we were going to be able to compete as a smaller credit union with we weren't just competing with banks and people in Westchester County anymore. We were competing with, you know, Fortune 500 and, and fintechs. A lot of investment and time went into that. You know, what has the last two to three years taught you about leading an organization through innovation during times of massive change and surprises? I mean, we had the, the pandemic surprise and actually, to a degree, the economic uncertainty surprise. What has going through that time period taught you about how you lead an organization through that? It wasn't always fun, but there were aspects of it that were a lot of fun. Change is a, is a good thing. It's not a scary thing. It's, it's something that uh, every minute you spend complaining about the change is uh, a minute you're not spending on kind of working on the future and working on the solve. We pride ourselves on being prepared for a wide variety of things, for just about any outcome that's, that, that's going to happen. We model a whole lot of things and we're very, very, very nimble. So we analyze it, we're on top of it, we uh, model it, and then when we know we've got it right, we've got this unwavering manner of going after it. And uh, you know, we pride ourselves also on taking what other people think uh, is, is a travesty or bad news and turning it into something that's very positive. So COVID, by no stretch of the imagination, was a good thing. What we really wanted, is, as I was saying a couple minutes ago, to win the talent game. We had set up and we have a remote mentality within our organization. And COVID was just that like extra little push for us to be able to leverage that. And we've been really, really successful within our organization um, being able to do so. So I would say uh, the summary of that one is analyze it, be prepared and go after it quickly. You're talking just about it being able to adjust to change, but it's really an innovative mentality. I mean, so many things that you've done at Quorum and Quorum has done in the past has talked about taking advantage of market opportunities at speed. One of the things that I mentioned in the intro was that Quorum is unique in that it delivers all its products and services to members using digital technology, online and mobile. You know, what advantage has that provided you and what challenges has it been to be basically just a digital company? So the advantages to us are, are actually pretty crystal clear. Uh, certain things have been around for a while and are becoming more clear to everybody every day. Customers want it now. Customers want it frictionless. And customers want it when they want it. So the world is moving into this digital frictionless future. Uh, and that's what we're obsessed with. That's how we spend every single day. 
Um, so as you mentioned, you know, earlier on, we've, we've attempted to be really, really innovative. And as I had said, you know, that has been in, in, in our culture for a long period of time. That innovation and that culture is really just trying to get us where our customers need to be and where the future will, will, will take us. I would say from a, a disadvantage uh, perspective, Again, I'd probably go back to cost of funds. We're just different. We don't have a, a, a brick and a mortar uh, in order to do so. But in return, we give a really great value to our members from a high low cost of funds perspective. So a little give and take. It's a bit challenging on one regard, but on the other regard, it's, you know, we're, we're providing great value to our membership. In working with your team in the past, it's very clear that not only does your team, but you personally embrace change, are willing to take risks, and actually take pride in finding new business models and new business ideas that can move the organization forward. Can you describe some of the unique ways that Quorum has delivered financial services to market niches in the past? Yeah, I think the the probably one that comes to mind is is really part and parcel to our business model. We partner. Uh, with fintechs to get into those markets. Together with those fintechs, we bring people into the Quorum family. And once you're in the Quorum family, we've got a, a suite of really, really great products and services that everybody gets to benefit from. So much more from a, you know, don't be afraid of fintechs. They're, they're there to, to partner with and to win with. You're actually quite a bit ahead of the curve on that. Now we're talking more and more organizations that are partnering with third-party providers or fintech firms, mainly because they're lower valued now. There's not as much venture capital out there. But when you're looking at a partnership or collaboration, how do you evaluate your partners? How do you make sure that the innovation partnerships you're pursuing are in alignment with what Quorum's culture is and what you're trying to achieve? So it's, it's a great question. So our diligence process, like everybody else's, is extensive upfront, but there's always changes along the way. And we're extremely flexible to make sure it works for both sides. I would say from the recipe, our recipe is we start really small. We scale over the years. We adjust where necessary for both sides and uh, and we, we grow the relationships together. It's got to be a win-win for both sides. And you have to be prepared not to always hit home runs. Singles turn into home runs. How do you unwind a relationship if you get into it and you go, they're maybe not playing to the team player mentality or they just can't take me where I'm going? Quickly. So I would tell you that everything seems great early on. You know, the honeymoon phase of everything is fabulous. Uh, and as we were talking about before, you just have to really be prepared for all scenarios, good, bad. You know, in the world of BD, in the world of opportunities, not every single thing is going to be a win. You just have to know when to kind of cut it loose and how to, and how to do so. Uh, we've had several wins and we've had others that we had to walk away from. You talk about speed as far as it relates to unwinding relationship. When you're looking at a brand new relationship, when you're looking at the next innovative thing you're doing. How important is speed and scale as you evaluate new opportunities? To me, it's all about pace and quality towards getting wherever we're getting towards. So speed and flexibility uh, to us are what, what matters most. So if the product, we're talking about a product, resonates with a member and it's well executed, um, then that scale will happen over a period of time. And that time could be quick or slow. You almost can't force what it will be. Unique within the quorum DNA is that we have a national scale, that we have a desire to start slower. Um, we're extremely flexible and we're willing to grow over time. I would say that we partner mostly with fintechs and most fintechs don't really fit into this cookie cutter banking practice. 
So it's really, to me, it's that speed plus that flexibility. And it's all about finding a solution um, that's not a one size fits all, but something that works for all parties. So let's take a short break here and recognize the sponsor of this podcast, Alchemy Technologies. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to the Fissionaries Podcast, sponsored by Alchemy Technology. As I'm interviewing firms as part of the Fissionaries podcast, they're mostly smaller firms. Is your modest size as an organization an advantage or disadvantage or hindrance to innovation and change? I'd love to say it's only an advantage, but honestly, Jim, it's both. So uh, it's an advantage because it allows us to move very, very rapidly and quickly. But at times, because we're small, we have partners who are hitting grand slams and we're in the single and double phase. And at times, people outgrow us. And that's just the nature of, of kind of what our size is. So it's both. It's more of an advantage, but it does come with disadvantages. Is the advantage the fact that you can move quickly? Because, you know, one thing I've, I've recognized when I was meeting with your team is that even around a table in a planning meeting, you basically can say, let's get this done. And there's no one around the table who doesn't believe, OK, we're going to get it done. You don't get that in a big organization always. But I mean, is is that one of those things you, you have to be cautious at times on, on what you say because people will run with it almost immediately? I think it used to be in the beginning. So it used to be where the, my title or where I came from used to be, I'd say something and people would kind of do it. We have a very much a challenger environment. We lead with this management philosophy of unwavering future objective. So we set the goalposts of where we're going to go. We hit it with an unwavering fury, uh, and we don't waver until we have to. It's got to be as futuristic as it can possibly be within reason. But as we know, that goalpost changes, but it's got to be objective-based. And then we always evaluate the kind of pace and quality of where we are today to where we're going. So every conversation we have always includes that. So it's usually not a throw spaghetti against the wall and let's see if it sticks. It usually fits that mentality. We have the opportunity to challenge it. But once we agree that it's something that we're going at after in an unwavering manner, we go after it unwaveringly. It is interesting. You mentioned it, that, that the challenger mindset that permeates the entire organization, it doesn't matter if it's your board or your executive committee or even your employees. It, it's always with the focus towards the member, but also saying, you know, how can we think differently about what banking is? You know, I. It was very clear the first time I met with you and your team that you weren't a traditional financial institution. You didn't look at the opportunities the same way as everybody else. But that, as you said, has to permeate the entire organization. You know, it's interesting because everyone I interview as financial institutions, they talk about delivering a better customer experience and becoming digital first. 
But talking and deploying are not necessarily the same things. We can talk about a digital account opening experience, but we may do it in 15 minutes, which is not really digital. How do you rally your leadership team and employees to focus on being digital in the sense that we want to work in a digital way? It's a good question. It's hard. It's 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 all about constantly trying, tying everything we do to our vision. So taking us from where we are to kind of where we want to go. It's about implementing that that UFO strategy, that unwavering future objective strategy that we talked about. And it's also asking the same question almost every single day is what does the customer want and am I contributing towards that? Am I doing so at the right pace or the right quality? So we used to, like most, spend a lot of time talking about what we did in the past, why we did it in the past and what we're doing today. I would say that that was probably a 70, 25 and five in the future a while ago. Now it's 75 in the future and everything else is just is just an ingredient to get us towards the future. And it's really empowering to uh, to our employee base, no matter what your position is in the company, if you begin to think about the business in that way. So what do you believe you're doing well at Quorum right now as an organization? I'd say future vision within digital. So that's the obsession with future and obsession with vision with, with digital. I would say that we have a uh, a head start over a lot of our competition because we got in early. But that being said, tomorrow afternoon, we could be behind if we don't stay obsessed with it. You know, we do a really, really good job of not focusing on quarter after quarter, month to month kind of comparisons. So we don't make foolish decisions today just to kind of make a number or because we have to. Uh, And I think we truly walk the talk, which is we need to make digital investments today that will uh, provide benefit in the future. That's a difficult thing. A lot of times people just want to make investment today because it's going to hit your P&L before December 31st of this year. That's not the way transformation works. Well, it's interesting is or not make an investment because it's not going to come come due this year. Where are you hoping to improve as an organization? I would say we probably have to improve on the same five things that everybody else has to improve. Tech, understanding the competitive landscape, uh, aligning with regulators, navigating the economy and then winning that battle on talent. I think we do well on most of them, but you know, past success isn't an indicator of the future. That's a challenge every day. So one of the innovations that your organization won numerous awards for is your learning hub. Can you tell me a little bit more about this content solution and why it's an important component of your overall delivery to members? We had this inspirational speaker, this great influencer come and speak to our board not too long ago. And this guy said, happened to have been you, who said, uh, uh, talk about giving lollipops away at branches and, and, you know, that being value. Our content and value we give to our members, that's our toaster. That's our lollipop. That's our learning hub. So we wanted to engage with our members and provide them information that's helpful for them. It's no longer, hey, open up an account and here's a toaster or walk into a branch and here's a lollipop. It's here's information that you need to live your life. And whether you're doing that with me or somebody else's, that's my responsibility to, to educate and help our members. Yeah, it, it's amazing. You can see the commitment through not only what you talk about, but the depth in which you talk about it. You know, it's interesting as we look at 
chat GPT and things like this and being able to build even more content and more importantly, connect the communications aspect with the content aspect to be able to point people in the right direction. Because sometimes the fact that you have a lot of information learning hub is great, but people have to find it. And, you know, some of these new chat tools are really going to give us a better capability of pointing people in the right direction based on their questions. It should be fun to see what happens. How will Quorum Federal Credit Union keep up with market changes and expectations of the end consumer going forward? We're in a constant process of evaluating everything we do. And every time we do, we take a deep dive. And every time we take a deep dive, there ends up being a transformation. And every transformation is what's the member's expectation or the customer's expectation that they know of today? And what will that expectation be in the future that they may not even know is existing in the horizon? And again, I go back to that obsession with that transformation to get towards the future. That's kind of how we do it, how we do it today. So what's on your radar for 2023 and, and beyond to improve what you're doing today? Investment in uh, automated self-service. So that part of members want to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, and want to do it frictionless, that all begins with members having the ability to do the things they want to do when they want to do it. So it's easy to say we're digital. You could input something into a computer and then there's hamsters on the wheel behind the scenes. Not really digital. It feels digital. And then there is the ability for a member to be able to do what they want to do to automatically and digitally perform behind the scenes. And that's what our mission is. What keeps you up at night? Talent. Talent keeps me up all all the time. So I love where my talent is today. But the notion of understanding where the talent needs to go, where the business is going to go in the future, and how to develop, supplement that talent to not only be good today, but also to be good in the future uh, is a daunting task. It's something we do really, really well, but without knowing where the future is, it's really difficult to develop and bring in talent for this thing that doesn't exist yet. So we're constantly evaluating where we are, constantly evaluating where we're going, and we're constantly upgrading and developing our talent. I would say that's the thing that keeps me up most of all, because with quality talent and with the right strategic focus and investment, we could accomplish anything without that talent, We'll win that game. Well, it's got to be helpful that your organization is not structured like a traditional financial institution and that you really encourage independent thinking. I mean, I it doesn't take much of a memory for me to go back to meeting with your team this past year and, and looking around the room and every single person participated in saying, you know, how how are they individually going to bring more to the table and how are they going to do things? And, and when you have that type of environment, it's a little bit easier, I think, to harness that talent. Again, it gets down to finding it. But um, when you look at organizations your size and, and bigger and smaller, what are some recommendations that you would give to banks and credit unions as they attempt to innovate? What will define the winners of the future? Uh, that's a trick question because the future always changes. So the future implies I know where this thing is going to end. So let's just go with kind of more future than where we are today. I would say it's fail small, but win big. So we will not win everything that we do. We will fail certain things. So don't be afraid to fail and ensure that you, uh, but that when you do fail, you're failing small and, and they're not major fails. I think that's kind of the first one. The second one will be, you know, you have to remain flexible. So nothing is as it appears day one, everything changes over a period of time. And the notion of this one size fits all doesn't necessarily work. The future is all about 
embedded banking is about taking my banking and my banking being somewhere else for somebody else to consume. I don't know what that future is yet, but I do know that the digital instantaneous frictionless and customer service mindset are paramount to that success. You know, Jeffrey, it is so nice to be on on the podcast with you because the one thing that was interesting in, in visiting with you twice over the last three years is how much your personality permeates the organization. You, you Nothing gets in your way. You you aren't ready to sit there and say, you know, this is a challenge. We can't get through it. No, you, you say this is a challenge. We are going to get through it. And the people around you take on the same attitude. And I've said this before in other podcasts that you can usually define how successful an organization is going to be by their leadership, not just the top leader, but those below them as to how willing are they to take risks and to disrupt themselves from what they thought they knew in the past. And while you have some very defined ways of looking at things. The reality is you're completely open to new ideas as your people are. And, you know, for any organization listening to this, I will, I will add the fact that Jeffrey and, and the whole organization at Quorum, it, it, it's interesting because you won't be able to put on a map what this organization is going to be doing differently a year from now because it may not exist yet. And, and they're that quick at adjusting to marketplace opportunities and they listen. Jeffrey, that's a tough one because, you know, as leaders, we sometimes embrace the ability to make change happen. And we sometimes turn off our listening tools because we're pretty focused on the next big win. But, you know, I've always been impressed with the way your organization as a whole and you personally listen to the marketplace and say, let's do that. I mean, it's that quick. I really appreciate that, Jim. I, I do have some really, really dynamic leaders. So thank you for recognizing them. And thank you for your time today. I can still visualize where everybody was sitting the last time we met. But no, it is always fun. And, and I think what that's also important is that when you have a, a disruptive mindset, when you have the desire to not be the same next year as you are this year, if, if that this marketplace dictates that, it makes it fun to work there. And I can only say from my own experience working with your team, the number of people that were there in both meetings, uh, there was a tremendous overlap. And that was because they're empowered to do things differently. So, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for listening to the Fissionaries podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you can use to help elevate your digital game. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others in your organization, post about it, or share it on social media, or simply leave a thumbs up and comment. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, building a culture of innovation starts at the top and must permeate the entire organization. Thanks again, and we'll chat with you next time on the Fissionaries Podcast. 